podcast feed is not lying to you. It's a new episode of Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. Yay! Ah. And we have Jonathan Metz with us this time. Dr. Jonathan Metz. Hi, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm calling, calling into the show from about five miles away. Yeah, I just, it worked out better. We're doing this <laughs> after work and trying to coordinate afterwards. And well, it's also just the way we're used to doing it. I mean, it, Radio it is. Trivia, is an, uh, as we've noted many times, it's an unusually complicated podcast for you to host um, with the, the way you have the music set up and everything. So, um, yeah, I, I totally get that. I just think it's funny that we're doing a podcast over Skype now that we live in the same city, <laughs> like, yeah, like even well. the same part of the same city. Well, uh, we'll do one in person soon enough, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I just, I, I couldn't figure out how to make it work and, uh, you know, just leaving Jenny home too yeah. for longer. Wait until the RFN guys figure out that they could get two substitutes for the price of one. <laughs> they may not want that, although they don't have to do more editing because that's right. probably be on the same mic. Yeah. Um, Anyway, this is episode 150. Uh, I thought about doing something really big, but I figured, well, you know, Johnny's has been on for a while. Just I'll just use you, and that's the big thing. It's, any episode's a big thing these days. So, yeah, <laughs> don't put any special <laughs> significance on me, please. I'm uh, I'm not in tip-top shape tonight, but uh, I'm I'm excited to be on the show. I love doing radio trivia, and I'm honored to be here for the sesquicentennial episode. Sesquicent what? It means the 150th. It's, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll have to trust you I, on that one. Oh. I learned that on the uh, on the plains, beautiful plains of Auburn University, which turned 150 years old while I was a student there. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we got five games. Johnny does not know any of them, or at least he, he hasn't selected any of them. I know I nothing. Yeah, so he's going to be playing along. So uh, it's a usual drill this time, five games. Three songs per game. No crazy crossover stuff this time. And uh, I will be editing it. So if this comes out after E3, it's because I just was too lazy or something. Too lazy? Uh, Mike, <laughs> you're basically working two jobs simultaneously over the next week or so. That's And that doesn't include radio trivia. So don't, don't call yourself uh, lazy. It's okay. a crazy time. We'll, it's we'll crazy shows. time. That's right. We'll E3. make shows for the people. And, and I guarantee you there'll be... More to cover than last year. At E3. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. So, yeah, it's, it's I'm local. You'll now. be a local. That's right. I know. Yeah, yeah. play some brand new Switch stuff and more 3DS stuff than you would think. I, it appears. Yeah. yeah, that's weird. I don't know. I haven't touched my 3DS since I since Switch came out. Neither so have I. I'm but, very very indifferent to. In fact, almost annoyed by all these 3DS announcements because, <laughs> you know, if they if there's anything I even that there's even a hint that I might want to play, I would really rather it just be on the new hotness. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. First music. game. Yes, music.
digging it i think i know what this is i've definitely played it cool and i have a pretty strong guess up front but we'll see if it's challenged That one was tense. It's good stuff. Without the pan flute, that beat becomes pretty hectic. <laughs> well, here is your hint question, although you might not need it. Uh, who was the first DLC character released for this game? Oh, yeah.
Yep, that's a pretty good one. Uh, so, Mike, this has got to be Blaster Master Zero. It sure is. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of this game. I, I really I know you are. It's probably the easy one to predict. It. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, so uh, we probably discussed Blaster Master at least one time on this podcast together. I, I would imagine so. I mean, it has pretty awesome music. <laughs> so, uh, Blaster Master Zero, uh, I think most people know this, but Blaster Master Zero is a, is a, it's a remake. I mean, it, it's, it's very similar to how Metroid... Uh, Zero Mission work where they they took the basic game design and they, they kind of enhanced certain pieces, prettied up the graphics, upgraded the music a little bit, but you know not too much. Um, it's a really good package. I I, I played Blaster Master a few years ago on the virtual console and I had to really cheese my way through using the save state feature, uh, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's the way to do it because the original is pretty punishing and and ridiculous in some ways you know well it so has a limited it, number of continues and i remember when yeah. i played it on the wii virtual console it's like oh i'm out of continues when i'm this far in after this much work Screw right that. It, it, i mean dumb. that that game is i mean the it's kind of an adventure you know um and to get through the whole game c- could easily take you five to ten hours you know depending yeah. on how much you get lost and how much you explore. So, um, yeah, to, to, to get into it five, six hours deep and then run out of continues and be told you just have to start the entire game over again. It's a bad design decision. It's archaic. You know, at the time, it probably seemed fine. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't... That whole approach does not hold up. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think it's fantastic The Blaster Master is readily available on virtual console you know and 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 things like that because um the more modern features like save states make it a lot more playable and Mm -hmm. and it to me it makes it easier to enjoy and appreciate all the great things about that game and and i do think you sell blaster master zero a little bit short um if you only look at it as a remake this is not like uh, it it is a remake not a remaster so i mean compared to something like um one of the 3D Zelda games that was redone for 3DS, where they well, made the graphics lot, they, yeah, nicer and make more. it run prettier. Yeah, I mean, Blaster Master Zero is more like Metroid Zero Mission. And That's what I said. I yeah, I mean, yeah, but Metroid Zero Mission is as much a sequel as it is a remake. You know, I mean, it, it, it's it, about it, half new content, and that's about right. what we're talking about here. I mean, they they, they did more with the, the I'll call them the dungeons, but um, they they also seem to tweak. Uh, the overworld or side-scrolling sections too. There's entire new areas and completely different layouts, um, new power-ups, new bosses. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, it's quite quite a bit of stuff. Um, I mean, it, it's a it's really fun as a fan of the original Blaster Master because this is definitely made for fans, although it's completely accessible for you know for new people as well. But um, it's made for people who, I mean, Blaster Master is the kind of game that even if you played it at a very young age a long time ago, part of your monkey brain probably still remembers a lot of the map layouts and stuff, oh, you yeah. know? I so it's just, it's that kind of game. It just sort of buries itself in your, in your memory that way. And so um, Blaster Master Zero is really smart about, about like, it calls back to those layouts, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I remember this place." And oh, there's a cave right here. You know, and I'm pretty sure that's 
That's where the boss is. So it'll do stuff like that, but then it also knows how to use your your knowledge of the game against you, or at least in, it, it subverts your expectations to surprise you and throw new mm-hmm. things at you. Um, and so it's very playful with the fans in that way. Um, and yeah, I I think it is um, much more playable, you know, much easier and, and more fun and just straight up enjoyable than the original Blaster Master. Um, and I also just think it's a, it's a really high quality you know, 2D action exploration mm-hmm. game. Yeah, um, I, think I the music I, is I'm great. sorry, there I was negative some... on it. I, I didn't mean to be negative. I, I no, think it's a great no, game. I, 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 it's I don't want to seem defensive, but it, but I don't want people to say, oh well, I've tried Blaster Master, I didn't like it that much, so a remake doesn't. No, this this game cleans up a lot of the problems. Yeah, it's basically a, a new game. You know, there's a few elements of the original um, that it harkens back to, yeah. but even with those, it has a lot of fun with them. So uh, yeah, I I think it's pretty excellent. Um, it was uh, it was really exciting for to get that on Switch so close to launch because right off the bat I was playing this really really impressive really fun uh, sort of retro experience on my brand new system and it looks awesome on the screen uh, you know in portable mode and then uh, I can also plug it in and, and you know play it all blown up on the TV which I know Greg has complained about the the way that the pixels scale or something but. I am uh, not sophisticated enough to see those kinds of things, and so I'm not bothered by them. I think I know. I think I noticed it, but I'd played other games that kind of looked the same way, and I didn't, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't mm. affect how I play the game. Right. I, I had a lot of fun playing this on the plane. Um, and, and one thing I will say is that they've actually done an impressive job of kind of maintaining this game's relevancy going forward. They've released several new things over time via DLC that like like um, pro controller support well yeah but I, I'm referring <laughs> to like the you know, their uh, DLC characters that play differently I've, I've only yeah. tried Gunvolt I, I, I think the, the they're free the first two weeks they're out so I better go grab the the second character because I think it's yeah. still free right now but I don't even know what the other character I, is I don't I don't I, remember but I need but, to do the same thing yeah but I mean Gunvolt uh, I never played Mighty Gunvolt, whatever the game was, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it definitely plays differently. And my impression is it's kind of true to the Gunvolt character how he plays. It's kind of weird. You have to tag the enemies uh, with your attack, and then you can kind of destroy all the enemies you've tagged. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very true to that. I mean, and it's weird doing it from the overhead Blaster Master, you know, action perspective. Um, because uh, that's a very different sort of thing than the original Gunvolt game is. But uh, it's fun. It works well. It, it kind of makes you approach the action differently. In some ways, it's easier. In some ways, it's probably a little more complicated and more difficult. Yeah, I think they just released like a super hard mode or something. That, ah, like nice. you have to use the right right gun for each enemy or you can't hurt them or something oh, which sounds insanely difficult well yeah especially if you don't have um i mean that only makes sense if you have all the weapons all the time to me because <laughs> otherwise it's like okay i only have my pea shooter how are you ever gonna kill them i, I don't know maybe they adjusted for that i, I don't know but the, uh, the the really cool thing about Gunvolt is that it, when you play as him, um, you still you know you still drive the tank and stuff like that. But when you get out of the tank in the overworld, when you're the little tiny guy and you can kind of barely just walk around and jump, and you're very vulnerable, um, Gunvolt, unlike the uh, the main character Jason, um, 
is actually kind of slightly effective um, as a, as an as an attacker. Yeah, I mean, he's still he very can, vulnerable. Like, wall jump. He can wall jump, and mm-hmm. he seems like faster in general. And my, my, does a lot more damage to enemies. Yeah, you can actually kill enemies as him. It's a very high risk way to play because I think you still can die very easily. But you could you could kind of make your own hard mode maybe and you know play a lot of the game that way. It'd be kind of neat, but I mean, you still need the tank to do a lot of things. You you do, but I think there's a way to call the tank to the nearest like save spot point. That's right. I I, never had to use that in my time Mm -hmm. through playing as main, but I I suspect uh, that's part of why they have that feature. Is if you choose to go on foot for a while just to play differently, you're not screwing yourself over. Yeah. Um, So that, that certainly seems like a legitimate way to play, given you can call the tank. Well, not well, whenever you want. Whenever you're near a, a safe point. When you get when you get to a safe, well, which makes sense because that means you'll have, you know, kind of gone a pretty good distance, probably from wherever you got out mm-hmm. of the tank. Yeah. So that's when you would want it. Yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. I, I, you know, I beat Blaster Master Zero. I really enjoyed it a lot, and uh, I'm excited to have any excuse to go back to it. I hope eventually they can do more maps for it. You know, make the game bigger or. Um, make a sequel. I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a sense of how popular something like this is because it's a download only game and it's Japanese so they don't say very much you know, about sales. But uh, I think it's great and I've recommended it to everybody because um, I just think it's really fun and it's, really, it's a really lovingly put together thing by people who uh, know exactly what's good about Blaster Master and also what needed to be fixed about it. Yeah, so, I hope uh, I hope this does well for. Um, it is not. What's the company that actually made this? Was it, this was. Well, it's, uh, it's Inti Creates as the Inti developer. Creates, right. um, they also made Gunvolt. You know. Yeah, they make a lot of kind Mega of Man mid, stuff like mid-tier that. Mid tier action, old school games. Yeah, they're, I think they're the perfect choice to to make a are. new Blaster. They could make a new two D Metroid actually. For that matter, it'd be pretty rad. Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Blaster Master Zero was is a GBA game. I mean it. It's very much of that era um, in, in terms of sure. how it plays. Yeah. So uh, I would love for them to make a new 2D Metroid if, if they were asked. Mm-hmm. I think they could do a nice job with it. Yeah, but, you know, Blaster Master is not that far off from a new 2D Metroid, and uh, it scratches a similar place in my in my head. So, um, yeah, I, I really like it. Okay, well, we're going to go on to the next game here. Good job, Johnny. You're one for one. <laughs>
This game has really fun music. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, that I I would don't even know what I would call that. Um, that was magnificent. It, it, I'm just gonna throw this out there because it, there, you know, this is definitely not correct. So I don't even call it a guess. But there's parts of that that reminded me of Castlevania. Really? Huh. Which it seems you know really uh, out of touch with the style of the music. But yeah, I couldn't I couldn't shake that. Hmm. I, I, maybe the b- fundamental composition could remind you of that. Right. There, the, there's a, the instrumentation there's the bits and, of melody. And the, yeah. Uh, you know, flourishes don't scream Castlevania, but <laughs> no, the no, exactly. The banjos <laughs> might uh, give it away. <laughs> <laughs> That was fun. That sounds like um, like a dream sequence almost, you know, where you're like uh, prancing around on top of clouds, chasing after, you know, whatever. It's not too far off from glowing context. bunny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so, uh, which item allows you to shape shift at will? Hmm.
Oh, you stumped me here, Mike. Um, I like all this music quite a bit, but the hint question really threw me off of the direction I was going down, and I'm left kind of uh, just kind of clawing. So I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess a game that I've never played and never heard the music for, but something about the jaunty, uh, you know soundtrack uh this this music makes me think of fantasy life for the 3ds the level five simulation game well that's not what this is this is another switch game this is wonder boy the dragon's trap which um i I think i talked about this on the talk nintendo podcast uh, uh but uh this is a really interesting game it's uh kind of the polar opposite to uh, in terms of how you do a remake from Blaster Master Zero, so this this is a, I guess I'll call it a remake of, of uh, the. I, I always mess this up. It's one of the Wonder Boy games. It's. Uh, I think it's Wonder the Boy third Monster one. World. It might be the third one, because. Uh, yeah. The original was called Dragon's Curse, maybe. Because I remember hearing about it when it came out for the Wii Virtual Console. The first I'd ever heard of the Wonder Boy series back then. And this one was one of the more interesting games. They released a bunch of games in that series, and, you know, they're very complicated lineage. Um, But this one seemed to stick out because you could turn into a dragon, and it seemed like it had some RPG stuff. It it does. Uh, Yeah. And it sounded really cool. It it is really cool. So, so... uh, you know, it's a brand new skin, you know, new artwork, new music. It looks beautiful. Uh, you know, Portal Mode is just great. It's good on TV, too, but it, it, it kind of has that hand-drawn look to it. And there's kind of some squiggle vision in some scenes where, like, the lines are squiggly. Uh, and it, it just it has a really great presentation. But under the hood, it is, like, literally running um, the old gameplay the the collision detection all that stuff is the same you can toggle back and forth between you know uh, retro graphics and and music at will Um, i would not be surprised if like under the hood logic is running in an emulator or you know ported code or something from the original game implementation um so uh, i like that i like that idea but i guess it comes down to does the game still feel right with the new graphics it does it does um and I, i i much preferred playing in, in the modern view in music. Um, part of that's because I don't have really any affection for Sega Master System, which is what the original game was released on, so it wasn't like I was nostalgic to the really ugly <laughs> sprite work, in my opinion. Uh, and stuff yeah, like that. Master System was kind of like an uglier NES to me. I think it's technically more powerful, but the games never look as good. You know? Yeah, that's, that's the way I look at it, too. But this game is really interesting. It's got, um, like you said, it has some light RPG elements, some light Metroid-like elements. It, it actually mm-hmm. isn't that... It, it kind of has a Castlevania light exploration, you know, kind of like a, maybe the... the uh, I don't know, was it the, was it the Turbo Graphics game that uh, had... Yeah, Rondo cool, of Blood? Um, yeah, maybe. I, I'm not good on my old-school Castlevania, but... Um, so, so basically, you go through, and each particular level is relatively linear. I mean, it's, it's all one world, but once you go into a kind of a corner to start the level, it's fairly linear, but you'll find 
kind of hidden doors that if you push up in the right place you'll find and and um, there's backtracking and some of the levels are essentially buried within another level um, hmm. and, and you unlock uh, progression by getting to a boss defeating the boss and then you're basically cursed for lack of a better word um, into one of these monsters and so you're slowly accruing these different monster forms that you can assume and each one has uh, mostly plays the same but each one has kind of one one or two unique uh, features that they can exploit uh, like the, the the mouse man can like walk on certain ceilings and walls and you know one of them one of the the lion man uh, has a wider um, swing of his sword so he can you know break blocks above and below him a little bit it sounds like the game is structured a lot like Demon's Crest. Everything you're saying kind of reminds he, me of that. That's that's um, actually a pretty good touch. I think Demon's Crest is more sophisticated, has has more going on, but this this is kind of like that. That's a very good point of reference. And so you, mm. there, it's really interesting. That, you know, it's it's old school, and there are warts. So there are certain things where I felt like I ran into a wall. I didn't know what to do. Very obtuse, and, and the game doesn't really give you much instruction. So. You know, there maybe there was like a, a weapon or two that you just sort of have to figure out how to use, and it's not necessarily oh, obvious. Uh, <laughs> or you could go, you know, look up in game facts when you're stumped like I did. So there are a few things like that that, um, you know, some people will like because it's kind of, you know, old school, and other people like me will, will get frustrated. But, you know, there is a fact out there you can look up online, and it'll tell you all that stuff because it's just like in the original. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, because of that, I'm not going to say that should dissuade you from playing. I mean, maybe it's not the best game to play on the plane where you might not have an internet connection and be able to look up something when you're just giving up. But hey, you know, it's not that long of a game. Um, you can come back to it later. So I really recommend this. It's Like I said, it's not, you know, the best game ever, but it's... Controls are kind of lumbering. Uh, and I think I also made this point on, on Talking Tundo. It kind of feels sort of like a Wario game, like a like, a, like huh. maybe Wario Land 1 or 2 in that the character does not move that fast. You have to be fairly deliberate with your attack. Um, and uh, although there is a health system, um, and, and it will, you know, hurt you over time, um, there aren't any real bottomless pits or anything like that. So, um, I don't know, that, that aspect to it kind of reminded me of Wario 2, or, you know, like Wario Land 2, where... Um, if you fall on a lot, you, can't you know, die. you yeah. can't die. Some some of the pits might bring you to a place you don't really want to go, um, or you know, there there are fire pits that can consume your life. But um, there's no insta death type. Uh, yeah, stuff. I mean, Blaster Master is kind of similar in that way too. I, I I think I I like that about those games because it does make the world feel a little more cohesive, right? Mm -hmm. There's no arbitrary boundaries where you're not allowed to go further, or if you do, you die. Right. Um, right. Everywhere you everywhere you go is a place you can actually go and then also get out of. Yep. So the the whole world has to be designed to work both directions, and that's that, uh, I like that. Um, yeah. It's so, not for everything, but so this, this so, so I definitely recommend this game. The the uh, it sounds excellent to me. I'm very I'm excited now. This is even better than what I'd heard. Yeah. So this before. this is it's a lot of fun. There's a hidden. A sword that's optional that that you can find that 
and it's called the Tasmanian Sword. I found it and at first, you know, they kind of have a hint in, in the description of the item. It's one of these games where, like, the, they have descriptions for the items, and you know, some of the non-player characters give you hints, but they're maybe indirect hints. And um, that lets you, if you figure out how to use it, um, you can, uh, you know, transform at will. It's a pretty late item in the game hmm. into the uh, into the other forms that you've already unlocked, which is much more convenient than going back to like the pedestal in town that you can jump on to change your form. So oh, okay. it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It looks great. Sounds great. Um, Johnny, I, I definitely recommend you play this game. It's definitely up your alley. It, it, it's it's a really interesting curiosity. I think I want to say the original came out in like 1989. It was a pretty early game. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it predates like Super Metroid, uh, you know, curbs some from Metroid, but it, it's in that time period where there were, you know, developers are still trying to figure out how to um, build this kind of a game and obviously this is more in the Sega space so, um, you know, they're, they're kind of doing it their own way. Um, so I, it's it, it just, it's totally different from stuff I played. It's, it's still different from uh, I think it was maybe Monster World 4 that I played that was released on PS3, which obviously builds on, on this. It's in the same lineage. Um, but even that has kind of a different feel to it in my mind than this. This, this is its own thing to, to a good degree. So check it out. A lot of fun. It's a little expensive for the length of the game. I think it was like 20 bucks on, on the eShop, but not unreasonable uh, given uh, the love and care that was put into it. So. Yeah, you know, I, if, I think if you haven't seen uh, Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap before, I would say the art style reminds me a little bit of uh, Rayman Origins or Rayman Legends. Yes, it, it very much reminds me of that, and the music does That's too. a huge compliment, by the way. Yeah. So I, um, I think it's a I French think... developer, um, or at least it's a French publisher. So Okay, uh, okay. Th- there's probably, it's probably not a coincidence that yeah. th- they kind of remind you well, of that. Maybe this is... Maybe some people worked on both for, for all I know, you know? Yeah, it could be. Well, this might just be my next Switch game. Thanks, Mike. Sure. Okay, well, we are going to go on to the third game, which is a listener request.
That was the first game. Or first, uh, let's try that again. <laughs> first song. I don't know if you have any ideas at this point. <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, I have an idea. It's about 1992. And uh, 16-bit heavy metal is so cool. Beyond that, I have no idea. question for you oh what is the main character's profession <laughs> okay is that not helpful 
uh, it it kind of fits with the direction I'm leaning. Well, this one gave it away, Mike. Um, As it was intended to. Yes. uh, This has got to be La Mulana. Yep. La Mulana. Uh, Requested by Klex Yoshi, who also suggested some of the games or songs I used. So thank you, Klex. Great great suggestion. Uh, I'm a big fan of La Mulana. Um, Although it's it's a tough one because... I didn't recognize the first couple songs you played, um, may never have even heard them because every area, every part of the world of La Milana has different music and it's all great, but there's parts of this game I've never even been able to get to because it's so hard. Um, so it's quite possible I played 30, 40 hours probably of La Milana, never heard some of these songs. That's exactly why I wound up never checking this game out, honestly, Johnny. I, I, I heard... That it was difficult. I'd heard you talk about it on RFN. I mean, it, it seemed like conceptually I wish you'd like it, but the, the, I didn't, wasn't really interested in that difficult game. I mean, the, the concept is that you get as far as you can, then you got to abort, and, and that way it's almost like a roguelike, and that you got to you go as far as you can, and then when you're about to die, basically you you, you go back to safety. And yeah, you warp back to the beginning of the of the game, basically. So you're kind of making it's a persistent world. So you are kind of making these treks into it, and you tend to get farther and farther as you learn more of it, you understand the systems better, and you have better equipment. You'll eventually, uh, and you'll unlock a bunch of warp points and shortcuts and things like that. So 
Uh, I really like that kind of setup for a game. I like that there's this one base at the beginning that has, you know, all the shops you'll ever need except for the secret ones that you find along the way. And, uh, you know, it has people who kind of explain certain things to you. Um, but for the most part, you know, once you gear up and, and set out, you're on your own and it's every part of the game is really difficult. Um, and I think La Milana is a game that you probably shouldn't go into it planning to beat it. It, it is possible to beat it, but I can say from experience, having, having tried on a couple different platforms, uh, WiiWare and Vita, that um, I've been able to get pretty far into the game, but only with a lot of help from walkthroughs and stuff like that. And, and the game is so complicated, and there's so many versions and translations of it, that even the walkthroughs are actually hard to use. Uh, it's difficult to tell where you've been and where you haven't because a lot of the things in the game aren't labeled to you or they're labeled but they're in a language that you don't understand uh, and so it, a lot of the, the FAQs and walkthroughs are like people making up names for what these things are or they're they're using the translated names that you could only actually see in the game if you've already beaten it and gone through it on New Game Plus you know like it's a crazy complicated thing but here's what I'll say I think if you play it and only get in three or four levels deep, you know, you get lost a bunch, you beat a couple bosses, um, you get to try some stuff, you get frustrated. I think if you spend a few hours and actually just kind of make a make a stab at it, I think you'll find that worthwhile because the game really is very very solidly made. It's really uh, looks great, sounds great, very controls perfectly. Uh, and it's just incredibly well designed. I mean, it's a game that is absolutely chock full of secrets. And in fact, the secrets are basically the game. If you don't, if you're not looking and looking for and finding secrets along the way, um, you will not make it very far. You you will not progress through the game. Uh, so, I, I really like that. I mean, it is inherently frustrating and obtuse and difficult. I mean, a, a lot of the puzzles in the game are like. There are almost no rules. You know, there's places where you have to kind of throw yourself into a into certain death in order to uh, get through a room, or you know, you have to completely unequip all your weapons and armor uh, and uh, and and fight a boss barehanded in order to even have a chance against him. Like, there's just a lot of very strange little things like that. That there may be clues somewhere that might help you figure that out. But a lot of people won't even find those clues, or even if you do, you may not kind of put them together and, and mm -hmm. figure it out. So it's a game that it is, you're very much meant to discuss it with other people and try to collectively figure out a way through it. And, uh, and I like that, you know. And, it, and unlike something like Spelunky, it is all... It is very similar to Spelunky in a lot of ways, but the main difference is that La Milana is a designed world. It's persistent uh, and... Um, and, and it's not it's not nearly as much a roguelike in the sense that you are kind of building up your character over the course of the game. You're getting stronger, you get heart containers and things like that. You find new weapons and armor that can help you get much farther and do a lot, lot, lot more things. And it makes a lot of things easier that were difficult to begin with. So um, kind of unraveling the game in that way and also kind of building up your character and becoming more competent at the game. It's very fun. It's, uh, it's really good stuff, and there's a sequel coming out. I kickstarted it, uh, and it's been in development for like three or four years, and the developer still sends an update every single week. So there's hundreds and hundreds of these Kickstarter update emails that I've gotten, and a lot of them say very little. 
But nevertheless, I'm excited for La Milana 2. And, um, I, I, you know, I think this is a kind of, it's a boutique kind of game for a small audience. But um, the people making it are really, they're really into it. They really understand it and they're excited about making this kind of game. And it's fun to kind of watch the process, you know. Cool. Yeah. So I don't know if we answered the question, but uh, as you might have... Oh, yeah. He's an archaeologist, I think. Yep. Yeah. Uh, archaeologist. Uh, Looks like Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Gee, um, yeah. What a coincidence. Yeah, it's very original. Okay. Well, thank you again, Kletsushi, for that request. And yes, hopefully thank you. we did it justice. The Games Collects uh, requests uh, uh, are usually requested with a lot of enthusiasm. So uh, <laughs> I, I hope we did it justice. All right. Game four. Yeah, that's um, a particular kind of nagging quality to it that seems to be only possible on the Nintendo Entertainment System. (laughs) Good stuff. Maybe even more nagging. <laughs> In a way, yeah, but exciting. Exc- excitingly nagging. Yeah. Well, this is this is an interesting one. I I look forward to the hint question. Alright, Johnny. This title was distributed in Japan via what obscure distribution channel? Hmm. Thank you. 
That was a big help, uh, definitely. I think this is probably Ultimate NES Remix for the 3DS. That's not a bad guess. Mm. But, no, this is Super Mario Brothers Deluxe for the Game Boy Color. Is uh, that right? Okay. Yeah, I thought we had used this, but it doesn't look like we have, so now we have. Wow, that, uh, that third song, that, that remix, is a lot better than I thought deluxe had to offer i don't really remember deluxe having new music so. yeah my, my memory of it was really hazy too i was like oh that's probably why i hadn't used it i'd forgotten that there were, were new modes and corners of of the game so mm-hmm. uh, super mario brothers deluxe since it came out on a platform that probably some listeners weren't born when it came out on. um <laughs> uh it's it was a, a Game Boy Color uh, remake, a re-release, yeah. remake. No remake. Uh, it's pretty big overhaul. It, it, it's a fairly big overhaul of the original Mario Brothers. I mean, it has yeah. all the original levels. It also has most of the Super Mario Brothers Two Japan levels. Although I don't think Luigi can jump higher. In the version was kind of a weird half remake yeah, thing. I, well, and I think they had maybe done a little bit to make it slightly easier or less buggy than it's the... Qu- uh, it's quite possible. Yeah. Because um, that was the first time that... Well, let's see. Other than... So, yeah, so the Mario All-Stars version was 16-bitified, right? Mm-hmm. So that yep. was the first time the Lost Levels or Super Mario Brothers 2 had ever come out um, in America. Right. But then the exciting thing about Super Mario Bros. Deluxe is that its version of the Lost Levels or Super Mario Bros. 2 was closer to the original Japanese one because it had the 8-bit graphics and it was actually done in the in the same engine as the one that we all know and love. So it had the more kind of evil twin quality to right. it that you were right. that you kind of missed out on in the Super Nintendo All-Stars version. I yeah, I think All Stars had more levels. I don't know if those were new levels created for all, the All Stars version or whether huh. the Game Boy Color remake just didn't quite have all the levels. It may it be good. kind of like a best of selection of, of levels or something. I yeah, I do remember it being slightly limited. Well, the ones that were cut out were like the worlds A through D or whatever that were. In oh, the, okay. Like when the you bonus do the game plus yeah. kind of thing. So. Okay. So, uh, but overall, it's a really interesting package, and it was the first time Nintendo really released, did their re-releases, first of many Mario ports from consoles to portables, and it, right. it kind well, of set the standard. I mean, they, they introduced the five red coins uh, they added to the levels, and I think they also added, like, a hidden Yoshi egg or something. And so that these were sounds you right, could, and you could collect stamps or something. There's, like, a stamp booklet. Right, you, you collected a stamp book by collecting these things, and some of the section music comes in from things like those other menus and areas where you view this stuff. And and I'd almost forgotten about this, but just talking about the stamps made me remember that the stamps are kind of an achievement system. And some of the stamp booklet you fill in, uh, and the artwork is really cool, mm-hmm. uh, but you some of that you fill in by like doing unusual things in, in the game, like... 
I want to say defeating every Bowser or at least one or two of the Bowsers with fireballs, which is something that a lot of people probably have never done. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, or, or even killing Bowser with a star, which I think there's maybe only one Bowser in the game that you can do that with. But, uh, but yeah, there, there were a number of, uh, of weird little things. It was like, you know, I think you got one for the first time that you went to the cloud world, uh, you know, climbed up a vine mm-hmm. and, and did that cloud, uh, coin heaven, I mean. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was quite an interesting modernization, um, and really added a lot of replay value for a game that, you know, most of the people buying it had already beaten the original Super Mario Brothers right. many times. So I thought it was very clever that they went back and really kind of added a lot of these modes and features that made, really did make you want to go back and kind of comb over the original stuff uh, really carefully and, and try some fun stuff with it. Absolutely. Uh, the red coin challenge was great. You know, I love doing that stuff. And um, it even did some weird stuff with the Game Boy printer, if I recall oh, correctly. Oh, I'm so. sure those stamps were used for a Game Boy printer. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, they also, so they also I, had a multiplayer uh, mode. I think mm. I played it one time. I think it was like a, just like a race. They had a couple of levels you could race through that were unique to, okay. the, to the racing mode. It wasn't anything amazing. but it. So, so there's definitely bells and whistles on this thing. It, it was a pretty good package. Am I right in thinking that you can get Deluxe on the 3DS Virtual Console? I think so. I think you can. And I, you know, I, I passed so over. This is making me. But now I'm thinking actually, about it. Yeah, yeah, this conversation is really, uh, really making me consider that because I haven't. I I had Deluxe on Game Boy Color, um, but yeah, it's been it's been a, a long, long time. time since I saw that cartridge. Um, yeah. It's a it's a really great version of the game though, and. Uh, yeah, the the music really did surprise me. I I'd, I'd forgotten that they had done any kind of remixes like that. So that especially makes me want to go back and see what I can dig up. Yep. So uh, do you know the answer to this question? It's it's something that I didn't know until I kind of was searching Ooh. for a, a question. Um. You know, there was the only thing I can think of for a, a, an obscure J- Japan distribution method in 1999. I think it would have been when this came out um, in Japan. Would have been that um, that mobile phone adapter that they released with Pokemon Crystal, and I don't I don't think that actually ever let you download software because there was no storage on the cartridge or on the on the accessory um and the download speed was really poor so it's mostly just used for like trading pokemon mm-hmm. so, so that's the, i don't think that's right but that's n- all i can think no of. so, so uh, i mean mo- a lot of people in the west have probably heard of you know how you could reprogram famicom disk system uh floppy disks um sure back in the heyday and um, so there was apparently a, a similar service that um, that was out there in Japan for Super Famicom and Game Boy Color games. Huh. Um, for, at first, Super Famicom. So it, it's called, strangely enough, the Nintendo Power. Not to be confused oh. with Nintendo Power Magazine. Right. And, uh, I have heard it, of these, actually. It, it's, it, it's literally like... It, you know, it looks like it's a knockoff thing, right? You, you, it's, you could buy these blank cartridges with certain slots and you know so much ram on there or not ram uh, 
it, it's, it's persistent storage. Mm-hmm. And um, you I would think go to I your think local EPROMs, actually. Yeah. So yeah, they're, so they're like, you... it's almost like developer hardware. You know, it's something kind that of. would come with a development kit so that you could flash your latest build of the game onto the cartridge, put it in a development system, and it, you know, it's unsigned code, so it'll play it. And, uh, and then you find bugs, and you're like, oh crap, and then you go and like fix the bug in the software and then like reflash the cartridge so you can test it again. It's, it's kind of like that. So uh, these were only available through, I think, Lawson, which was one of the many Japanese convenience store chains. Yeah. And so you'd go to Lawson, you'd buy one of these cartridges, and or if you already had one, you'd bring your cartridges, and, and they would you'd pay your money and they'd program in uh, a game as long as you had space. And uh, and uh, apparently uh, Super Mario Bros. Deluxe was only distributed in Japan via that channel, uh, which Weird. seems insane, especially because it's... I was reading about this, and I guess there was an earthquake in Taiwan around the time they were rolling out the um, Game Boy Color version of this, or the Game Boy version of this, and, uh, and so, so there was some limited supply for these hardware cartridges. So um, the whole thing's just really weird. It seems like they probably shot themselves in the foot by distributing it that way. But um, that was before downloadable content. I mean, Nintendo was doing all that crazy, these crazy schemes for alternate distribution channels, but not, you know, it took them so long to get onto the you know, into the eShop and, you know, downloadable games space. Uh, just kind of crazy. It really is. Yeah. Um, I have to say, back in 99, uh, being able to play really a better... I mean, in a lot of ways, it's better than the original Super Mario Brothers. It's improved uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. Being able to play that on a portable system was pretty cool. It was huge I mean, at that, the time. It looked great, in at least in the sunlight. And um, it was a game that anybody that saw me playing it would be interested because they obviously recognized it. Yeah. They might even hear the music coming out and be like, oh, you're playing Mario on that thing? You know, which is kind of a... Now we, I kind of associate that feeling more with the Switch. But um, but yeah, back then it was it was really cool to be able to play this, this, uh, this awesome, obviously amazing game uh, on a handheld. Now we maybe take that stuff for granted, but... I mean, compared to not that many years prior, doing stuff like Super Mario Land, you know, and yeah, when, exactly. When that's a lot of people, that's what they associated with Mario on the Game Boy. It was mm-hmm. this kind of weird little janky thing. So yeah, to be able to see the original running on there and looking so good is it was pretty exciting. It was, yeah. I had a lot of fun with the game back in the day. Oh yeah. All right, Johnny. One last game here. Let's see your. Uh... Three out of four? Is that two out of four? Yeah, yeah. You're two out of four, so to get more than half of them right, here we go. Ain't bad.
All right, now I'm back in Castlevania mode. the rhythmic laser blasts in that song <laughs> pew 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 uh yeah that's that is a, that's a strange song i can't wait to find out what this is all right well here's a hint for you it's probably helpful which other nintendo platform was this game originally planned to be released on hmm
Hmm. Uh, I'm I'm pretty stumped here, Mike. I'm I'm thinking this is pro- just the hint question makes me think this is maybe like a Switch game that was originally going to come out on Wii U, but then they moved it to Switch. But most of the games that that's been announced for are still not actually out yet. Uh, and I'm I've just been looking through lists of games that came out for switch uh early on and i don't really see anything that would fit this music so uh let me let me take a stab at snake pass oh johnny this is a game i think you sort of requested a long time ago <laughs> is that right this is super meat boy for the wii u oh, yes it man. eventually was released on an end of platform that's true. Way, way later than it should have been, but it came out on Wii U. This is Super Meat Boy, which, of course, was originally planned for release on Wii, but... On WiiWare. On WiiWare, specifically. So, uh, the file size was getting too large, and they didn't want to hamper their game uh, due to a 40 megabyte cap, so uh, they ditched the Wii platform. So, eventually, it was ported to, to Wii U. I, I've never played this game in any form. Um, you were really big on it for a while. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time since I played Super Meat Boy, and I I have to confess, I played most of that game with headphones in, listening to podcasts because it's a a lot of a lot of my time playing Super Meat Boy is kind of like how I play Geometry Wars. I kind of veg out on it, and I do the same thing over and over and over until I finally get it right. I can see uh, that. Yeah, so it's like. Man, you don't necessarily want to listen to the music drone on and on for an hour while you play this one level and eventually, hopefully, maybe get to the end of it. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess I don't remember the music all that well, although I, I still like it. It is certainly weird. And, you know, with, with all the different um, kind of presentations that Super Meat Boy cycles through, you know, it's got levels that look like Game Boy and... Um, well, some of the old, uh, like weird black and white, almost gray looking EGA, VGA, um, 8 bit, 16 bit. It has a lot of weird different graphical styles, and then the music will change to go with that. So, um, it also has like, a, you know, you go to hell at one point, the music's really different there, and then sometimes you play, uh, there's like a whole other second quest where you play as his girlfriend who's like pink, it's covered in bandages. Um, Bandage Girl, I think, is the name. Is that her name? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, of course, her stages are even harder than, than Super Meat Boy. Oh, so, yeah, it's like a, it has a weird soundtrack for sure. But, uh, yeah, I really like Super Meat Boy. Um, I remember the first time I saw this was at E3, and uh, the developers were showcasing it in, in Microsoft's booth. And uh, I, I played it, and I absolutely cracked up when I finally got to the end of the level and it did a simultaneous repeat, replay of all the times <laughs> that I died and the one time that I finally made it through, which I thought was at the same time hilarious and surprising, but also really interesting because it does kind of show all the different branching paths, you know, where I decided to go, let's try this way, let's try that way. And these these worked and these didn't. Uh, or this this way worked only the one time that I actually managed to get through it, whereas I had more frequent success trying this other way. I mean, you can actually learn a lot about the level design and your own playing style and your skill set just from watching the replays. And I, I, I just thought, this is brilliant. Uh, th- these people 
are onto something, and the level designs were so smart, and just the style of it was so funny. Um, and, and I knew that it, it had to come out on Nintendo someday. And little did I know it would take about 10 years for that to finally happen. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad it did, and I can't imagine very many people ever bought Super Meat Boy on Wii U. But if you did, I bet you enjoyed it. Unfortunately, it did get caught up, and there, there's a long story. There's actually, We talked about this a fair bit with Dan Edelman once on Radio Free Nintendo, but uh, there's quite a saga behind Super Meat Boy on WiiWare and why it, it never saw the light of day. Um, but it, you know, a lot of it came down to the, the storage limits that, that WiiWare struggled with, and Nintendo was not willing to budge, or not able to budge, perhaps. Um, but you know, I, I think it shows you the difference in Nintendo back then versus now in terms of how they deal with independent developers. WiiWare wasn't necessarily created for independent developers, it's just some people kind of snuck their way into it. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, I, I think the Nintendo of today would have handled that situation very differently. If it turned out that it wasn't possible for Super Meat Boy to be a download game, I'd like to think that nowadays Nintendo of America would look at that and say, you know what, this is a fantastic game, we want this on our system, let's work with you to find a way to print copies of it, maybe. Yeah. And so and that, we can still be available to, to people. Yeah, yeah make it a, a budget disc release game. Yeah, or let's make this little you know, tweak to the firmware that allows you to have a larger si file size. And that may not have been possible back on the Wii, but nowadays it would be, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that Microsoft did many times for Xbox Live Arcade games, until I think eventually there was no size limit for those. Um, so they went from like 50 megabytes up to infinity, and by the end mm -hmm. of it there were games that were many gigabytes uh, in size that you could download to that service. Um, and, and it was tough to see them figure it out and, and solve these problems iteratively through you know the magic of the internet being able to make your console better. Whereas on you know at the same time, I mean literally you know at the very same time, Nintendo was not able to do that or not willing to do that with the Wii. Uh, it was very frustrating um, even for those of us who had both systems to you know to just be like, look, the games on the system are so great, but my system feels like it's living in the past. Um, and uh, it's got all these problems that, if, if this were any other company, could be fixed. That, that was a frustrating time, um, despite all the great games that are available on the Wii system. Yep. Well, we're going to have to wrap this up. I, I do want to note that there was a, a theme for episode 150. I, I said, screw variety, screw... Uh, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> lots of so, 2D platformers. Lots of, not just 2D platformers, throwbacks. I think <laughs> yes. Every single one of these is, is what I would categorize as a throwback, if not remake. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I sort of just ran with it. And uh, I, I'm not ashamed of myself for doing that. <laughs> there will be more variety in the next episode. But I, sure. I said, you know what? These are games I want to use, and I want Johnny on when I use them, and damn it, I'm going to use them. So. Well, I'm, I'm all about a secret theme, and uh, I, say, I have to say I, I appreciate you choosing me to be the recipient of this particular secret theme because that's a style of game that I really enjoy. You're welcome. So uh, I don't know when the next episode will be back or even when this episode will be out, but <laughs> uh, I'm hoping before E3, if not after. 
But uh, if this comes out before E3, uh, be sure to check out our coverage of E3 2017. Uh, both Johnny and I will be on the floor and playing games, writing things up, maybe doing some podcasts. Uh, I don't I don't know what all we have in store. We, we kind of have a loose, uh, loose plan, um, but uh, I won't say anything's locked in for sure. Um, and uh, if it's afterwards, well, go back and, and check stuff out because you probably yeah, miss some. Right. You I, usually I think post a whole we'll, bunch of stuff and on the course of a day, and you're probably going to miss something if you're, you know, not checking it regularly. So. Exactly. Yeah. We we got to mil- we got to milk E3 all summer long for uh, for content and coverage. Yeah, it's I would say um, it's getting harder to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, I think we're probably going to have some audio interviews uh, on the podcast streams. Uh, so. Um, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of good stuff that's worth going back to check on, even if you're listening to this later in the year or sometime in the future. Go back and check out our E3 2017 coverage, because Mike and I will both be there. It's the Old Fogies edition. John Lindemann will be there. Can't we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be hanging out, and, uh, and there'll be a, a whole lot of too old for this shit, and it's uh, going to be really fun. <laughs> we're going to have to go find the bad Denny's. <laughs> I've never been there. Oh, yes, we should. <laughs> okay well uh, anything you want to plug before we wrap this up Johnny beyond, beyond E3 uh, no, Box Office Poison is the, it's the only podcast that I'm on uh, regularly and uh, we just uh, had CrossCon here in LA and uh, briefly got to see you during that weekend Mike but uh, we recorded a couple podcasts and uh, check that out over at uh, Crosstalk with a W dot com or on iTunes whatever excellent so thank you everyone bye 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 let's do something else now
Blaster Master Zero is copyright 2017 NT Creates Sunsoft. Wonder Boy The Dragon's Trap is copyright 2017 Sega LAT.MU. La Mulana is copyright Nigoro Asterism Nicholas. Super Mario Bros. Deluxe is copyright 1999 Nintendo. Super Meat Boy is copyright 2010 Team Meat.